Good morning, Eugene. Hey, good morning. So what are we talking about today? I think we're talking again about solving problems and how different professionals and different people in industries figure out ways to solve problems because different jobs have different sorts of problems. Like I think before I was talking about software engineering and the deterministic outcome of some projects and the ambiguous outcome of others and how you need different approaches to solve those. And I think today we're talking about how lawyers talk, uh, how lawyers work through their problems and are able to, I guess, conceptualize a way of problem solving that makes sense in their field. Yeah, I think their their approach actually makes sense in most fields. I feel like accountants sort of use a similar similar approach. We just don't call it that. We don't. I don't think we have a, like a system. It's like a method that's in our head or whatever. Um, so lawyers, and I came across this first when I was taking a, a deferred compensation tax class. Um, Typically, the best tax professors are lawyers, and ours was an attorney. She was also an accountant, and she actually mentioned that for the first time, and she wanted us to do that system, to apply that system to like every chapter that we learned, which was, you know, for for regular accountants was a little too much, but, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Um, so the system is called IRAC, it's I-R-A-C, and basically any type of problem that, or case that lawyers deal with, they apply this framework. Um, so the I stands for the issue, so you have to clearly identify what the issue is. Um, R stands for rule, or also known as relevant law. So you would apply principles from like cases or statutes or both um, and, ex- and explain it and kind of apply it to the situation. A stands for apply the facts. So develop basically legal like arguments um, given your facts of the case and then C arrive at that's conclusion. So arrive at the conclusion given everything that you've given the rule and the facts um, of the case. So, I mean, it's a, it's a method, it's a methodical way of addressing kind of a a case, a a legal case, but I've actually heard, um, I was at a training a couple of weeks ago and um, one of the parts of the training was presented by an attorney and he was talking about evidence and he was telling a story that his daughter, um, 30 something year old daughter came up to him and she was like, dad, I have a problem. And, and he was like, sure, let's, uh, you know, let's take a look. Let's let's tell me like (laughs) whatever. And, and the daughter says, well, dad, you know what? I want you to be a dad, not a lawyer right now. <laughs> because even like for his, he was, he's over 60 and, and even, at, you know, at 60 or whatever, 65 that he is, even all the personal problems, all the personal issues that his kids deal with or his family deals with, he kind of applies Iraq um, to that. So, so I feel like 
It's a pretty powerful system. I feel like we use it a lot. Um, do you think um, that you use it in your life or maybe a port parts of it? So sort of, and I guess we're all learning much more about the legal system these days, but a lot of it has to do with precedence and sort of historical decisions. And so, yeah, you, ha you have a problem. It's a novel problem. It happens to you, to a person. And then the first thing that people tend to do is try to relate it to a problem they've solved before and kind of see what was learned before and try to apply the same sort of logic or solution to solve this new problem. And I'm guessing that's what they're doing because this is for lawyers and law cases and maybe accounting cases have a lot to do with precedence and we should do things consistently to not like go against past decisions. Well, actually past decisions work in terms of an argument, I feel like in, ter uh, in law. So precedent in America precedent is, um, relevant in many countries like in Russia or whatever it exists, but it doesn't rule what the judge is supposed to decide. Um, so like, that's one thing. And then another thing is I feel like it applies to accounting for sure, because like when I deal with not a black and white situation in tax, so there is a rule and, um, a legal way is white or whatever one extreme, the other extreme is illegal, right? So there, and there's the space, the space in between that we call the gray area where if you, <clears throat> if you kind of consider the facts in light of this argument, then it kind of, it doesn't go into the extremes. It's somewhere in the middle. And the question is, whether it's closer to the illegal or closer to legal, or like, how do you make a decision on that? And that starts, so the, so you define the issue, like what is the issue is, let them, we can look at an, an, at an example. Let's say, um, I mean, it could also be applied to sort of regular life in that yeah. you have an issue and uh, your toilet's clogged. And, or a better example is actually we have uh, like a tub that won't drain properly. So I went online and I tried the, you know, just pour hot water down and that didn't work. So then I'm like, okay, cool. In the past, pouring this didn't work. Let me try something else. So then I tried some sort of baking soda solution and that didn't work either. And then I tried another approach with like the Drano and like the terrible chemicals you pour down and that didn't work either. And then this sort of approach, if I find a combination of things that work, eventually I hope that I will know that in my situation now I solve this problem this way. Cool. So I have a real solution. So the next time maybe my kitchen sink gets clogged. I can relay it back to 
the previous problem of me solving the tub situation and see if a solution can be found based on like a similar problem. So yeah, the kitchen sink and the tub are different like plumbing systems, but maybe they're similar enough where I can apply the things that I learned from one to fix the other. And I feel like that's a pretty everyday example because court yeah. cases, like some are pretty, pretty clear. You know, someone stole something and they didn't know that person. They just, you know, saw a package. They were driving by. They they took it. Pretty easy. It was caught on camera, whatever. And then you could have a case where there's a similar robbery, but maybe the person knew the other person and they planned to steal it. Sure, it's similar to the previous one, but now there's this like extra notion of intent. So... I think it is very important in the legal system, at least, to stay consistent with yourself and whether or not, you know, precedence is king is a just way of doing things. It is a system that we have. So working within that system, this approach makes a lot of sense that you try your hardest to boil the problem down to a similar issue. and try to react the same yeah uh, or at least you kind of know where to start maybe right so like yeah and that's when there are arguments and i think a lot of like i did two jury duties and a lot of the proceedings that were going on one person was saying look this is exactly like this case that we had in the past and this person was convicted so you should rule the same and there are their whole job the two lawyers the defense and the state i guess uh, is to is to convince the jury that look this already happened this is exactly the same situation let's rule consistently and then the defense is saying well this one's different and you shouldn't rule the same way as that other one because they're different and I think that's, like, I didn't know <laughs> that the legal system worked this way until I did the jury duty. And I guess that's the point of doing jury duty and that it exposes regular people to the system. And I found it very educational and interesting that, yeah, this is how it works. And that's why we have lawyers. And there is like a human element because this isn't like a clear cut solution. You're trying to act consistently based on past events, on new events. I don't know if that's the right approach, but like I, I watch a lot of a lot of Law and Order. I mean, <laughs> I watch arguments and, and, you know, obviously it's staged, but still it actually looks pretty uh, legit um, when two sides argue using precedent, but just different cases or different interpretations of the same case um, to tell the judge that they should rule on this specific motion um, in their favor, which is actually pretty interesting. Yeah, but the approach, this way of reflecting on what you did in the past, trying to gather the new evidence, and 
thinking of a way forward, I think does make sense, not only in law, because it's like law and you have to, you have to follow the system, but in everyday problems, I think it's also interesting to not to have like a gut reaction and get mad and just like do a random thing. I think it's interesting to use your past sort of more like like a more defined past instead of having a feeling that you acted that way before and now we should act in this new way try to maybe like write it down and okay this situation that i'm in either it be a business situation or a tax situation or even an everyday life in the grocery store situation you can sort of put it into writing or put it into words, what event in the past you're using to justify your behavior now. And that might kind of alleviate some sort of anxiety that, oh, I made the wrong decision and you can have regrets later. If you if you ground it in, I'm doing this new thing because of my past experience and I had a good outcome before and i believe that this new situation is similar enough that it'll produce a similarly good outcome oh it's always um i feel like it's always a chance that you take of course and that's why you you try to convince yourself that the two situations are similar enough yeah i guess yeah makes sense makes sense well, it, I guess it's kind of, I feel like this approach, the, you know, lawyers approach, I mean, they learn it in law school and they're, everything that they do is using this system. I feel like accountants, at least good accountants, sort of apply a similar system. We just don't really, if we don't know that it exists, that it's called Iraq, that it's, you know, whatever can be used. Um we apply something very similar to that. I think, I think like we, Oh, I, like I always start with what is the issue that I have at hand? And then what, what's the normal black and white rule? And then given the facts, how do I apply that rule? And what's the conclusion that I make? I mean, it's totally kind of the same approach in my, in my work. What about software? Um, so in software, uh, there's this feeling that things change all the time, and there's new programming languages, new frameworks, new platforms, new you know devices, and there's this sense that software is always changing, but under the covers, most experienced you know software engineers, managers, project managers sort of understand that the underlying principles of what is software engineering is computer science and computer science is like a pretty well-defined thing of course there's like new research and new findings and new clever you know ways to sort or apply filters and there's all sorts of new research going on but at its core the like the boolean zero and one logic that scales up to okay you can use one and zero logic to do math to 
eventually scale it up to do logical operations. You can have yeses or nos, but you can also have ifs or ands or ors, and then you can combine math to make decisions. And then you could do like a tree where, okay, if this happens, do this thing. Or if this happens, return this number. And you can build up a lot of complexity starting from one is on, zero is off. Just, you know, plug in, plug out. But as you develop this math, you can you can gain a lot of complexity. That seems very scary, but it's very rooted in just straight math. Actually, what you've just described is exactly an IRAC. Think about it. Like, you have an issue, and then there's a rule. And the rule is... Um, X, if, if this happens, it's, the logic is basically the rule. And then your next next step is application, which means you select out of all of those rules, you select the one that applies to your facts, and then you arrive at the conclusion. It's exactly the same approach. Right. And the, the issue in like making software is that you don't really know what the, the correct thing to do business-wise, but yeah, if my manager comes up to me and says, okay, we're going to write a program. If the user clicks this button, show them this color. If the user doesn't click a button, keep the color the same. And that's very straightforward. And yeah, you can you can write it in software. And that's where there's like an essence of style or efficiency or taste. And yeah, you could write a program that works but is slow. Or a, a, a great example is Siri or the Google Assistant on your phone. It does a like a calculation or a trade-off where when you talk to it, it can either try to process your voice on the device itself or it can go to the network and do it like via the internet. And sometimes it's faster to reach out to the internet and if you have a good connection and you know everything's happy, and it's faster using their big, big servers in the cloud somewhere to more accurately listen to you. But sometimes you have a bad reception, something's not ideal, and it, it'd be better to do that processing on your phone locally. And that decision of when, when do you reach out to the network or when do you process it locally is up to interpretation. Sure, you can say... If their internet is bad, however that's defined, do it on the phone. And if their internet's good, do it in the network. And those heuristics, I think, is like the past precedents, and they're hard-coded in a way that people thought, okay, we were in a situation, they had a bad connection, let's do this processing on the phone. So I think it's that decision point that gets made based on these principles. But actually, like, knowing if that's correct, that's up to interpretation, and in the legal system, that's where, like, the arguments are. So, yeah, I could have issues with my network, even though my internet's quote-unquote fast, and that's where the company needs to, uh, like, adjust, or be flexible 
in outcomes. Hmm. Interesting. So I guess what you're saying is in your line of work, it's a little bit more flexible than let's say, because it's, it's the same system is just a little more flexible than in law or in accounting. Is that right? Well, in law, the stakes are much higher. And, you know, these are people getting fines or jail time or like a bad record. And I think the, the government uh, understands that legal precedent and your legal history is a much more important life-changing thing. And they need to be very careful in doling out punishments, both in terms of justice for the people wronged and the defense of the person who whose life will be affected forever. And even if a person did a bad thing, how much should like they carry that for the rest of their lives is obviously right now like up for a debate and a huge topic of conversation because it, it it's very important in our society, this precedent and whether you have prior convictions or arrests and stuff. Yeah. And they have to be conscious that, you know, one bad arrest when you were 16, sure, you might have done a bad thing, but now you carry that. So the legal system good or bad, at least acknowledges that they need a system and a process for for evaluating this. Where in software, uh, I don't know, we'll fix it in the next update. Like, sure, maybe someone's, you know, Siri translation won't be perfect. I'm like, okay, yeah, we know Siri isn't great. We'll fix it next year. Maybe we won't. And that's that's where the leeway comes in and again being a, a business of tech there's there's decisions that could be made against efficiency because they're easier or faster where in the legal system the due process the 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 rights and the procedures built up over hundreds of years still need to be followed and that's why we have like weird remnants of British law in our yeah. system. Because guess what? The people writing our laws hundreds of years ago were very influenced by that way of doing things. And a country like Russia or China or uh, Brazil, they they have a different precedence. And I, I'm assuming that's why lawyers are state-specific. Accountants are state-specific and if you want to move to Colorado, you might have to recertify because their laws, their precedents, their history is different. Doubly so with other countries. Yeah, but uh, in in New York, you can um, use a precedent from another state right. in an argument um, for a motion, for example. You can. So... You, I think you have to know like everything, which, which is why you know, lawyers 
know a lot and have to have to know a lot because of specifically that. Plus the British president, probably. I mean, yeah, because at the end of the day, you're convincing actual people of what happened before, and this is how the past ruled. And now we want a similar thing to happen. So obviously there could be conflicts, and in the same state, you could have one group uh, arguing for, look, we have this case, this thing happened, this was the outcome, we want the outcome to be the same. But there could be a case, same state, same place, exactly the same situation with a different outcome. And then the defense would be arguing, hey, here's another example, and we want it to be like this. And it's it's on the jury and the judge to reconcile what happened in the past and what what used to like what already happened with what they are going to do now i mean yeah i think the reason that you can have two similar cases is you know you could have two similar cases in different outcomes but the reason that you could kind of bring up both is it's it's almost it almost never happens that the case is identical right and there're different situations different interactions and there is an element of if something happened in the past does that mean that we want to continue doing that and there are instances where you can get change from a supreme court ruling on a thing that was always one way and then it became another way. Like I'm thinking um, like the drinking age or um, like the um, marriage equality, marriage equality, all of the, all the issues that we're dealing with now. And yeah, the, the legal system's complicated and it's, it's very much the culture of the day informed by the past but not dictated by it. We need to make our own choices today, taking account fairness and precedence and sort of logic for a situation that doesn't really have to be logical. People aren't logical machines. But people aren't? Is that what you're saying? No, people aren't easy to like understand and like if if you do one thing to one person and you do the same thing to another person the outcome might be different it will be different and maybe at some level we can build some crazy computer to you know explain that people are deterministic but i don't think we're there yet and we're left with these chances so if i act this way According to my past experience, there's a 60-70% chance that I'll get this outcome. And a lot of decisions you have to make as an accountant, as an engineer, as a person in the world, are sort of statistical, even if you don't think about it that way. If you, if you act a certain way, and most times you get the outcome that you want, you can continue on that path, even if once in a while you don't get the outcome. I'm thinking of speeding. So like 
most people speed a little bit, five, 10 miles over. And some people go very high over. So one time I got a speeding ticket. I was 35 miles over the speed limit. But I made the judgment call where I was on a highway. It was perfect weather. There was no one on the road. And I was going like close to 90 in like a 55. But it felt very safe to me. Like it wasn't an issue of safety. I wasn't going to hurt myself. I wasn't going to hurt anyone else. I was I was very much breaking the law. But I made the trade-off, the calculation of, well, I don't care. I don't see any cops and I'm just going to I'm just going to go. I was late. And I learned that the experience of getting the ticket for me wasn't worth me getting to the location possibly, I don't know, five minutes earlier. Yeah. So now I don't think I'll be speeding, even if I'm in a hurry, even if I'm late. The the like the trade-off of not following the law, no matter how dumb I think it is, like, yeah, of course that highway should not have been a fifty-five, but New York State. And now I made the determination based off one event that I don't think I'm going to be a speeder (laughs) because that interaction with the legal system I found entirely unacceptable. And that was a minor case. I paid a fine. I got some points on my license. It, it wasn't like, it was a super easy interaction. There was no stress about it, but it was inconvenient for me to the point where, okay, I'm just not going to speed anymore. If it's 55 and I'm bored and I think I can go faster, I'm going to cruise control it and just be patient. You can go 60. <laughs> I like, sure. And that's. I a, go 65 usually on a 55. <laughs> and I think you need to make it the, make the determination in every scenario. Okay. Well, what is this worth to me? Is it worth getting the little adrenaline rush of going 90, seeing your, speedometer go into like the red Uh, for me it's not and again different people have different trade-offs maybe you get let off easier because cops tend to like very blonde women like i don't know and other people clearly need to be more careful and they need to put extra precautions in to avoid any sort of police interaction and for me, it's a convenience thing. Like I'm not like one of these repressed groups. I just I just don't want to interact with the legal system and that that weighs very heavily in my decision making to where I'm overcautious even though I might not need to be. A little paranoid, I would say. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> After that, the move to Manhattan to never have a car again was really easy. <laughs> and now you're back to moving out of Manhattan to have a car. <laughs> and now we're back. <laughs> well, I don't know. I actually, it's for me, it's not about going faster or getting there faster. I mean, certainly there may be one or two situations a year that you would have that. But like you said, 20 minutes spent um, on being pulled over kind of negates all the benefits of getting of the speed. 
but it's not about that. It's like if the if you're going in the with the flow, kind of with the flow of cars, and you, you know you can't be the slowest car on the in, on the block. Oh, because- of course, right. If there's if you're in a group of cars, it would be unsafe to be going fifty five if everyone's going seventy. the The decision that I will be making or that I made was I was the only car on the road, and I chose to speed because I knew that it wasn't dangerous. But yet there was a consequence. Of course, if if everyone around you is doing the same sort of like, we're all going in a pack, going 70 miles an hour, first of all, they can't arrest all of us yeah. or they can't stop all of us. And you <laughs> you need to understand that, like my mom, she is very scared of driving on the highway and she's one of those people that drives 40 in a 55 when everyone's doing 70 and why? Well, I'm scared. And no matter how much I explain to her that it's more dangerous going slower, she just doesn't feel comfortable. And I could never explain that to her, but also she needs to do what she's comfortable with. Yeah. You know, people aren't meant to be going 70 miles an hour in a small, weird round box on wheels. So if someone finds that scary, that's their experience and they need to sort of deal with it and other people need to give them space. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, <laughs> um, I actually, I don't know, like, how did you, so you were going 90? I think I was going more. I you mean, I was, 30. right, when they when they gave me the actual ticket, they wrote it up in a way that, they didn't have to like arrest me because after some point, you know, they handcuffed yeah, you and yep. drive you away. So yep. I was going over that amount. And wow. the like the write up was like one mile under that amount. And the cop made it very clear to me that like, hey, he's doing me a favor and I yeah. should be grateful. And I was like, yep, got it. And then when I went to fight the ticket, because at that point I was like, well, might as well fight it. Because I'm not guilty. I didn't drive 35 <laughs> miles over the limit. Um, they they knocked it down to a like a like a parking violation or something, and that and that didn't make any sense at all. Like the guy, or I guess the judge on the spot. No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't the judge. There was like a lawyer in the back, C- clerk. Yeah, sure. And they were like, "All right, well." here's what we can do for you. You can either go up and, you know, present your case or you can plea down to this parking violation. And I was like a little mad because speeding has nothing to do with parking. (laughs) And he was like, hey, you're going to pay us this big, big fine. No points. How much? Oh, I think it was like 600. Wow. It was like, it was like a lot. I was like, maybe still in college. It was a, it was a big deal for me. And for whatever reason, I was afraid of the points, which yeah. I don't understand why I was afraid of the points. Because you get higher insurance premium? I have no idea. Like, I don't know what points are. I was just always told to be scared of them. Maybe I did get some points. I, I don't understand driving. But anyway, I pled down. I paid a ton of money. Maybe I had some points. But then I, you know, gave up driving. And... uh yeah, I don't think I'll be speeding by myself to save a couple minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't drive like 90 
ever. But I do drive like 65 in a 55 or like 75 in a 65. <laughs> so a little bit, you know, a little naughty, but. <laughs> I mean, cars are, let's say, safe, but also unsafe. Like there's a bunch of features and if you do your best, odds are you'll be okay. Even if you get into a wreck. And when safety is concerned, I'm also very conservative where if there's a chance that the turn I'll make will be too fast and like, what am I doing? I get a little bit of adrenaline or I spin out. I don't need that adrenaline. (laughs) I don't want to spin out. But some people's calculation is different. Yeah. And even now I'm, I'm pretty worried about having a car because cars kill a lot of people. And I know that every single time I drive, I will be doing, by all accounts, a very risky like activity, even Absolutely. if I'm just driving to the store. Absolutely, not, 100%. Yeah. Not to mention anything else, just getting into your car, pretend that there's no one in the world. It, it's still dangerous because you're going fast. What if an animal jumps out? What if something happens with the weather? Oh, your tire blows out. There's there's all sorts of stuff that happens sort of naturally, not to mention the other crazy people on the road. The, <laughs> yeah, driving's, yeah, driving's bad. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You know, my dad, when I was getting my driver's license, he said, I will allow you to do this under two conditions. First, you have to promise me that you'll never drive intoxicated. And second, you have to promise me that I, that you will never drive someone else's car. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what does someone else's car have to do with anything? And actually, it makes perfect sense because when you sit down behind a, the wheel of, of someone else's car, you assume that that car is in a good mechanical condition. So um, we had a relative who actually was driving someone else's car and the car was in a, not in a great mechanical condition. It um, malfunctioned at, 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 at a turn and she like accidentally, you know, killed two people. Um, and he was like, I don't want you to ever like be in that position. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want you to ever be because you sat down behind someone else's behind the wheel of someone else's car um, and you don't know whether they've maintained it, whether there is, you know, the tire will blow out, like you said, and, or, you know, whatever. You don't know that. Right. But on that note, like someone had a bad experience and they justify it to themselves. Okay, this is now going to be a rule for me. But I've driven many people's cars because that was the thing that needed to happen. You know, maybe they had too many drinks, maybe they were tired, and maybe it was bad weather, and the decision was made that I was the more experienced driver, and this is what's happening. And it would have been much more unsafe for me to let the drunk person drive us home, or to leave the car and, you know, Uber home or something. The sometimes you need to make a decision that you think is like appropriate. And yeah, I, I don't like driving 
my car, anyone's car, I feel less comfortable driving big cars because I'm just not used to it. But Really? Oh, I love big cars. <laughs> and it's all about experience. And in the moment, of course, I will drive your huge truck if you're not feeling well and we need to get home. And yeah, I acknowledge that this is a risk that I'm taking and you have to move forward because you know, that's what we decided based on the past of never drive anyone's car. But right now, this is a different case. Right now, thinking about the past isn't appropriate to be applied in this interaction. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's always judgment call in the point of this story or whatever is to to kind of even when you drive someone else's car, let's say a bigger car that you that you're used, used to because you made a decision that someone's drunk or whatever, you will drive it more carefully because you don't know the car, you don't know whether it's maintained, you don't know how it can behave in I don't know if it starts raining or it starts, you know, if an animal jumps out or whatever. You don't know that. Okay, so I think on that note, we'll wrap up for today. Yeah, you have a try. great day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Bye.